Welcome to the Film Students Review. Today I'm joined by another fellow student, Mark. Hi, Hello, Mark. hi. Thank you for joining me. Um, so before we talk about Peter Strickland's 2012 uh, Berberian Sound Studio, I'd like to have our listeners kind of get to know you a bit more. Cool. So where are you from? Why are you studying film? Um, so I'm originally from South Africa, uh, from Cape Town. I've been living in the UK for about 11 years now. <laughs> that's kind of apt since we're talking about sound. Yeah. There's some construction. Um, yeah, so I came to the UK to, well, originally to study, um, put it off for about three years, and then they decided they were going to triple the, the fee. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, now's the time to study. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I studied film for my undergrad. And yeah, I came here to do my master's. I guess I'm probably studying sort of the theory side of film because I, I found that like really interesting in my undergrad. The undergrad was sort of split down the middle between theory and practical. Um, and I kind of, I want to make films. Mm-hmm. So I figured that, you know, the more I know about the theory side of things, the sort of more informed my films would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's why I'm here. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good reason to be. So we're, we're talking about um, the Burian Sound Studio, which is really strange British film, but it's all about kind of sound design. That's a particular interest of yours as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I've got sort of a musical background. Mm-hmm. So um, I got into musical production about maybe 12 years ago in mm-hmm. South Africa, got really interested in it. And I was really interested in film as well. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point I realized that the techniques could be applied to, you know, mm-hmm. the, the you know to film. Um, so I got really interested in in sound design. Um, kind of taught myself um, in my undergrad program. They weren't so focused on sound; like everything was more geared towards, mm-hmm. you know, cinematography and directing and stuff. Um, so yeah, I kind of taught myself via the internet. Wow. <laughs> um, I worked on a couple of, like no budget films um, that have just sort of disappeared mm-hmm. i don't even know if i could i could get Not hold of them CD now but, though, so that's yeah <laughs> exactly um which was fun and I, it made me realize how much work actually goes into you know the mm-hmm. process of post-production sound um yeah. you certainly get a sense of that in the film as definitely, well definitely yeah mm-hmm. i like that um that's that's definitely what kind of interested me when I saw the trailer of the film. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, finally, you know, they're yeah. they're actually talking <laughs> about the technical aspects of well, I guess seventies sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't even look at the trailer. I just kind of dove right into it and didn't know what to expect. Um, so when did you first see this film? Um, I saw it when it came out when it was on mm-hmm. the circuit. Um, I think I went to see it at the BFI in South Bank. Okay, mm-hmm. and. I didn't know anything about the director, Peter mm-hmm. Strickland. I hadn't seen his previous uh, Catalina Varga. Yeah, he seems to be a little bit more um, secretive. Yeah. He's living in, I think, Europe now. Yeah, I think I read he's been living in like Budapest or something for 10 mm-hmm. years. And he, I think he was working as like a translator or a teacher oh. of English or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it quite interesting, actually, because he... You know, obviously he's a British filmmaker, but I think he's half Greek as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
and he makes films in like Romania yeah, uh, you know, outside Calvin of Varga or whatever it was in Romania yeah mm-hmm. and I think um, his his last film um, The Duke of Burgundy yeah I think he shot that in in Eastern Europe as well, mm-hmm. and also like non English actors. So there's a sort of transnational yeah. aspect to his films, which I find quite interesting. And they do seem to be um, real kind of his projects. I think Catalan Varga he did with in inheritance money. Yeah, so it was like his his uncle's money yeah, or something. That he left yeah, yeah. So I do like that idea because they they're kind of unconventional. Um, they're not really your typical narrative, especially. Berberian Sound Studio, where kind of yeah. nothing happens. Um, but yeah, do you want to give a little bit of a summary to of, uh, yeah, Berberian sure. Sound Studio? So the film is basically, it follows, um, his name's Gilderoy. He's played by Toby Jones. Mm-hmm. And he's this... Actor for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's this kind of really shy... 40 something year old mommy's boy essentially mm, yeah. um who he, he's he's a sound engineer who's worked on like kids programs um tv documentaries and things mm-hmm. like that and he gets a job um in italy and he kind of doesn't expect that it's this weird sort of um well giallo horror mm-hmm. kind of film mm-hmm. um he he thought it was just a sort of documentary about horses or something yeah. um and I think pr- the whole film pretty much takes place in the studio yeah. and this little room that he's staying in. Um, and yeah, as you say, nothing really happens. It just kind of, as it goes mm-hmm. along, I think he just gets more and more freaked out about what he's yeah. doing. He can't really handle, you know, this kind of working on this kind of film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't really know what actually happens in the end. Yeah, it's very, yeah. It's There's very a question and, about whether it kind of happened at all. Yeah. He suddenly gets dubbed in Italian. <laughs> yeah. Like, is he? Yeah. There's only one scene actually where they're outside, and that's when um when he really kind of starts to get homesick, and he stands out in the twigs. I don't know if you remember. I am so sorry about this sound in the background. That's alright. <laughs> um, where he stands outside with the twigs, and he says something like that that they remind him of home, but it's also nighttime. It's the See, only... I, and this is one, one of the things that I found quite interesting is the way that the film kind of blurs spaces and locations mm-hmm. because I think it starts off with him um, standing outside and then it kind of cuts to him standing in the actual studio mm-hmm. in darkness because they have power cuts quite often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's standing on this little sort of foley box of leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And they do that quite a lot. You know, like he'll be just sitting at a random desk and then suddenly he's sitting in the studio again and kind of, I think it just, it, yeah, it just merges all these locations. So you, you, I remember when I first watched the film, I didn't really know what was going on in that sense, like mm-hmm. where, where he was a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Which is funny because the space is quite small too, so it's not as if he's yeah. covering like all of Italy in his explorations. It's, yeah. it's a really small kind of environment. It's re- yeah, it's very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you see those women who um, who are dubbing, they're being recorded in those boxes. Yeah. It's just, I think they quite they do quite well. But uh, I, I like that idea of, of not really being able to orient yourself in space because I think, I, think, um, I mean, just sound in film it's supposed to be a way to immerse you in the film even more you're supposed Hmm. to not really be able to notice when there's kind of non-diegetic so sound that isn't in the film world kind of being able to transport you nonetheless into the effective yeah the characters um 
I thought that uh, there's a question at the end of the film of Toby Jones's kind of the the actor Toby Jones's um, mental state and whether or not he actually traveled on a plane to Italy at all because then he gets dubbed an Italian so then you think maybe he's actually Italian and yeah breaking down because they I, say that yeah his plane didn't arrive yeah mm-hmm. it's it's quite I mean because half of the film is just sort of you know the tension builds up um, around this plane ticket you know mm-hmm. from the very beginning he's kind of like well. I want to get my money back. I want yeah. to get reimbursed. And, you know, the whole time, uh, I really like the sort of dynamic between him and the producer. Yeah. I think his name's Francesco. Mm-hmm. Um, who's constantly telling him how to behave, how they yeah. do it in Italy. He's how like, you know, it's really, yeah, it's really bad manners to start a sentence off with, you know, like a negative yeah. thing, like asking for money about a plane ticket. Yeah. Um, or even just better equipment so that the sound is better. Yeah. He's almost quite <laughs> offended a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And just with sound, how they kind of, um, they bring Gilderoy in more as well. I'm thinking of when they do the silencio kind of zooms in, yeah. you know, on, on the set, which I find quite strange yeah. as well, because it's almost a pause. And then, of course, um, the only thing that happens in the film is just him kind of trying to record sound for this film that we never actually get to see, even though we see the trailer of it. Exactly. And... Um, it's just, yeah, it's totally bizarre. So I think that the film really works to, like, it cuts to Gilderoy's, Toby Jones's um, memories as well. So we see that clip that must have been one of the films that he did. Yeah, before. it's it's quite weird because it just sort of stops. Uh, I think there's this weird kind of as experimental abstract sort of sequence and then the, the actual, like, celluloid film burns <laughs> away into this weird kind of nature documentary about yeah. the South Downs and near Dorking yeah, yeah which is his you know idyllic hometown that he misses mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. um, and obviously he's reminded quite a lot when his uh, his mum sends him these these letters yeah. which I found interesting as well just yeah. I mean, the letters just about these uh, chicklets these birds that are nesting near mm-hmm. his his little shed that acts yeah. as a sound studio and you see a clip of the shed too and actually for me, I thought that that was pretty ominous and a little bit more of the horror kind of trope because yeah. you think, oh, what's happened in the shed? But that's actually just where he records his sound. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's a really practical kind of image that you're not really given much information to until later. Exactly. And I mean, the whole film kind of works like that because we never, we never ever see the actual, apart from the title sequence mm-hmm. of this film, um, which you see right at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which actually confused me when yeah. I went to watch it because um, I was kind of like, am I in the right cinema and I think yeah. I think they I watched an interview and they, they were talking about um, what Peter Strickland said that they were considering putting that title sequence like right at the beginning but they mm-hmm. figured that people might walk <laughs> yeah, out and, yeah. Um, yeah and I, I think that the whole film kind of it plays on this idea of you know what the horror film is you know this sort of horror tropes mm-hmm. but there isn't really any horror yeah I mean there's there's one scene where he kind of gets well he gets stabbed by this intruder mm-hmm. um and you kind of this is when he when the film sort of takes a, a turn for the abstract and yeah. in the third act um and you're not really sure if he's actually getting stabbed or what's going on but i think apart from that the horror really just comes through the sounds that you're hearing you know like you see you you the, it tells the story through the sound cue sheet mm-hmm. you know like yeah. where where these bits of sound should come in um, which is basically the story of what these witches being persecuted. Yeah, the equestrian vortex, yeah. which is the film he's supposed to be working on. Um, but just, 
I think it's so it, it shows you how effective sound is and how important it is yeah. obviously um you know there's this uh, there's one scene when they're pulling out a witch's hair mm-hmm. and he's yeah. just standing there in front yeah. of a microphone pulling the stalks out of uh radishes yeah. which and is carrots they get so much more to pull which out. is mm-hmm. it's it's quite weird the way it works because you you literally the whole film you're just watching this guy or these guys there's the the foley artists as well the yeah. the massimos i think they call yeah, them yeah I, I, I love the them uns, like who never speak ever yeah and they're just you know smashing up watermelons yeah and, and they offer him the piece of watermelon <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest thing yeah yeah i think in terms of um narrative as well the, the main points of tension are, um, as you mentioned earlier when gilderoy is trying to ask to get reimbursed for his ticket to yeah. italy and it just kind of is more creepy. He asks a, um, the receptionist eventually for money, and she says, no, go to him. So I kind of thought that's that's not something that we wouldn't think would happen in film production anyways, this kind of contention over payment and when you get paid and how much yeah. you get paid. And then the other kind of point of tension is um, the director's like sexual harassment of the female voice actresses yeah. which again I thought was interesting because he's kind of trying to make it this like grotesque thing which it is but it's also incredibly common so it's yeah, not exactly. it's not as if he's revealing these kind of secrets yeah I mean and he aware. says I mean when, when he talks about um, the film I think when you meet him Santini I think his name is mm-hmm. when you meet him for the first time mm-hmm. and um, Gilderoy says to him well he, I've never worked on a horror film and he's yeah. like this is not oh a horror gosh, film yeah. this is a Santini <laughs> film so he thinks of himself as this kind of visionary director I think he says um like uh, I hate what they've done to these beautiful women and right. um, mm-hmm. and obviously you know throughout the actual film that we're watching you know mm-hmm. he's kind of exploiting the women yeah. that are portraying these beautiful women yeah. which is quite ironic I guess and he, he essentially spoils his own film mm-hmm. um, twice I guess you know the first time he's directly responsible because mm-hmm. um, he makes a pass at the the actress the voice actress and she just destroys all of her, her yeah. parts and they have to recast. And then I think indirectly, um, Gilderoy kind of realizes that, you know, the only way to for him to carry on is to mm-hmm. sort of be like these people. Yeah. You know, and he kind of turns into them and, you know, obviously at the end he causes the second actress to storm mm-hmm. out because he sort yeah. of tortures her with this feedback in her in her to get an headphones. authentic scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of forgot a bit about that scene but yeah it's really really interesting and of course liter- if if you read it literally Gilderoy kind of has a psychotic break I guess at the end yeah there's there's many different ways to read it um and then doesn't he kind of just like dissolve into the film it's yeah it's like he's well? consumed by the film I guess yeah. there's just this sort of flashing white orb that yeah. he just he becomes part of it which I, yeah. I like that ending a lot actually which is what the poster if you look at IMDb kind of alludes to as well and even the um the intro for the equestrian vortex which we see yeah. towards the beginning of the film there's like that opening up of of the face um so we kind of mentioned how this film associates and also uh kind of pushes against the idea of having a horror film labeled what mm. do you think about the fact that on imdb it's like called a horror film and it's mm-hmm. i mean emotionally it feels mm-hmm. like a horror film and as i was saying that like, you know i think all the horror just comes from the sound really mm-hmm. um uh, well, not just from the sound. I guess you know the framing's really, as I said, claustrophobic. The mm-hmm. the editing style's quite quick as well. I noticed yeah. that. Um, 
I just, I don't, I'd say maybe a psychological thriller mm-hmm. is more of an app label. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you found that, um, you mentioned before how some of the shots are really just looking at the sound cues on a piece of paper and you get to hear that horror sound, which um, is really interesting, but there are quite um, a lot of sequences where you're just looking at the sound cues kind of blocked out in yeah. red or blue. Um and that was such a weird way or I guess interesting way for me to look at kind of a film and to and to feel a film effectively. And maybe per- because I watched it at home, I didn't think it worked as well. Maybe it mm. would have been better in a theater. Yeah, I was I'm kind of in two minds because I think that the film very much it tries to, you know, show the mechanics behind mm-hmm. the film. It's like instead of watching this film that they are, you know, that they're doing the sound for every time it cuts to that. Um, the, these moments, we kind of see a series of close-ups mm-hmm. of you know, tapes rolling, mm-hmm. oscillators, these mm-hmm. weird kind of analog sound devices, um, and this sort of weird leather glove that I think yeah. I'm assuming is the projectionist, mm-hmm. which is quite. And I think that sort of again alludes to the sort of film that they're paying homage to. Mm-hmm. Um, these kind of giallo, uh, Dario Argento kind mm-hmm. of films. Um, which is like B-ish, almost kind of horror. Yeah, exactly. Very and, and, codified horror. And I think that this film very much tries to show how blurred the lines can be between these sort of, uh, you know, B films and art films. I guess, you know, high art and low art, mm-hmm. which I find, yeah, I quite, I quite like that, actually. And of course, with the from what I've seen of Giallo kind of movies, you get a lot of that really fake looking blood, a lot of violence. Yeah. A lot of um, sex and violence, which really isn't in the film at all. Yeah, I mean, there's there's moments like you know when he's um, he's blending some tomatoes or something, yeah. and the, the camera right. yeah. kind of lingers on his face, and there's this just this tomato pulp on his on his yeah. face, and again, it kind of looks really fa- it looks like tomato, mm-hmm. but I think it it, it definitely sort of uh, you know brings up these these films that mm-hmm. it's talking about. Um, yeah. I yeah I don't know well I like I like that point that you make with the tomato juice because um, the film is all about seeing how sound is made and we talked about sound in an earlier episode in Foley Artists and one of the ways where they create that kind of visceral sound of um, of horror which is of a body getting attacked is through destroying like fruit and one of the first scenes of the sound kind of design is yeah. uh, our two other Foley artists the Massimos who are um, just kind of hacking away at watermelon to get that like squelchy kind of yeah uh, yeah like opening up of a body hitting hitting a surface um, and I really I really liked how the film places kind of such emphasis on equating um, the bodies with other organic material so you mentioned before how yeah. they're supposed to have the sound of hair being pulled out of a witch from a priest and they just rip off the stalks of carrots of radishes and it's just i don't know i actually thought it was maybe a little bit more hopeful of of kind of saying like what our essence is perhaps. yeah and i think um sort of as the film goes goes on um you see a lot of the, you know, cuts back to a lot of these shots of the vegetables decaying, mm-hmm. which obviously, you know, I see as, you know, 
the the central character's state of mind as yeah. well i guess decaying as he mm-hmm. gets further and further into this this mess that he's probably not even going to get paid for <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah because he shouldn't because he loves it anyway yeah which again weird. is you know mm-hmm. it brings up this sort of uh, exploitation yeah. aspect to it it's kind of like mm-hmm. well you know everyone else is sort of desperate to work on this film for yeah. free how can how dare you even ask for money mm-hmm. <laughs> which is um yeah well it's like i think it's probably something that us as film students and other film students kind of oscillate between because we love it but then also we deserve remuneration for yeah our work um yeah so what were some of the other points that you wanted to bring up with berberian sound studio um I, yeah, I was actually thinking that the music was very interesting as well. Again, I think, you know, they make it quite apparent, this sort of apparatus mm-hmm. of music. Like, you've got what often feels like, and I think this is this is why it, quite often it feels like a horror film, is that you've got these sort of weird sound textures almost mm-hmm. that are somewhere between music and sound effects, mm-hmm. um, which... I guess it almost feels a bit like a David Lynch film. I hate to bring this up yeah. because, you know, every every time there's this kind of nightmarish <laughs> film, people are like, oh, it's like a David Lynch film. That's what they write in one of the reviews as well. Yeah, I mean, I see the point because also there's the, if you've seen Mulholland Drive, there's uh, this sort of silencio, which... Um, oh, <laughs> um, which acts as this sort of... Um, point between these two worlds of dream mm-hmm. and reality I yeah. guess and and I don't know if he was kind of paying tribute to David Lynch mm-hmm. in that way but it does sort of act in the same way in this film yeah um but yeah the music you've got these sort of textures that are really ominous um very bassy and I remember mm-hmm. when I watched that it was probably more effective watching it in the cinema yeah, obviously definitely. um very intense and then it kind of, you know, you hear the tape of that music, you hear the tape stretching and it kind mm-hmm. of, you know, grinds to a halt. And again, it just kind of makes everything obvious that this is, you know, how mm-hmm. a film is made, yeah. you know. And and I think in the film he says as well, um, the, the, the director is like... Um, it's just a film. You can see how you know all of the all of the parts fit together, or mm-hmm. something to that effect. You know, and obviously, that I think that they that's what Peter Strickland is saying as well, which is it's a bit tongue in cheek, actually. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like so. This is how we make the horror. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. We smash up vegetables, <laughs> but you're going to be really terrified yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah, I think it's amazing in that way. Mm-hmm. And it is just watching the radishes like the stalks being pulled off the radishes it was and just his face too Mm. when he has when he knows that he's making this sound to represent this extreme violence um it i do i do think that's quite effective because it's a different way as well of kind of um relating with an action or an inaction taking place on screen um because you feel for the fact that he's he's being forced to torture or to create torture Mm. it's also torturing him in turn yeah and the i mean the actresses are all tortured basically they uh i find the actors are are amazing um there's Mm. there's just this guy that i think they call him the dangerously aroused goblin (laughs) 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 okay here we go um 
And yeah, it's just about like three or four minutes of this guy just making the craziest noises, mm-hmm. you know. It's just so fascinating because it's kind of, you know, a peek into the world of, mm-hmm. you know, voiceover recording, um, which looks like absolutely, yeah. it looks like a blast. I'd yeah. really love to be involved in that. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes was when they get that woman to come in to kind of like chant and then you get yeah. to see how they mix the sound differently and you really get the different layers that, yeah. that produce this really eerie um, extra human kind of sound, which of course isn't what she's making, but mm. just the product of, of doing it all is really fantastic. We were trying to look at who um, who were credited as the sound kind of mixers and recorders, and it's Dolby Sound who does mm. it on IMDb, but we actually quite a hard time discovering who had the proper credit in something like IMDb, which is interesting when it's so much about sound production and getting credit for the work that you do yeah and as i was saying to you earlier um i think that i can't remember the name but i looked it up and um one i don't know if it's like one or two of the tracks they're actually performed by peter strickland's sort of experimental sonic band whatever you call Mm -hmm. them and i i actually i watched a, a video of them on youtube after that and it's really interesting. Like they were kind of, it's almost like music concrete. They they're sort of yeah. playing forks with bows and yeah. just making the weirdest sounds. Um, and in in a couple of interviews that I saw as well, Peter Strickland, you know, he talks about, I guess again in the same way as David Lynch. You know, he's he's one of the directors that really has a strong focus on how important sound is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a part in the, in the film when he's making the, the UFO noise with right, the light bulb. The and that, that was, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, I mean, everyone that was watching him in the film was like, wow, it's amazing. Do it yeah. again. And I was kind of the same. Yeah, I was like, yeah, do yeah. it again. Like, <laughs> Did you go home and try it after? No, I think, yeah, he was playing on like this weird wire cage or something. I know, yeah, yeah. Almost like a dish rack, but smaller. And then the gauge wasn't as large. Yeah. Either. It was almost like a sifter or something. It was really weird. But yeah, yeah, it was amazing. That's an amazing scene. I wonder if it was like live. You know, you wonder if maybe they're using different instruments to create that sound. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we can't know, can we? Exactly. But yeah, yeah. I mean, no information information given as to whether or not that's true. Um, yeah, I I really do think this is a very very strange film. Yeah, again, I, I still don't really know what to make of it. That's that's kind of the reason <clears throat> why I wanted to have a look at this is because I, I watched it in 2012 when it came out mm-hmm. and I remember just walking out of the cinema thinking, I think I like it. I, <laughs> yeah. think, I mean, it's definitely very experimental and mm-hmm. very interesting and, and you know mm-hmm. it has everything that I like in a film, but... I don't know if it worked and I still, yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. It, it showed, um, it previewed at the Edinburgh International Film Festival, yeah. I guess in 2012. Um, Peter Bradshaw, who writes for The Guardian, mm. I posted his review of the film and just said that it was amazing. He said that it was Lynchian. He and really loves that film. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I think he gave it five stars. I noticed oh, that as well. Um, there was a, because that was in The Telegraph. 
or in the oh, Guardian. I, was, I think it was the Guardian, but mm-hmm. there was another one in the Telegraph that I read mm-hmm. as well that also gave the film five stars. Yeah. And I find it quite yeah the critical response versus the audience response because I think on like Rotten Tomatoes it's got something like eighty one percent critical consensus. And then the audience is kind of like in the 60s or maybe yeah. even lower. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those films that just, you know, the critics love, but the audience, mm-hmm. like myself, is kind of like, I don't mm-hmm. really know. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's harder to enjoy, I guess, again, with the narrative, because it's so unconventional and there's not much that really happens. Um, and I guess, yeah, it is, it is looking at more like the technical built bits of film. But do you think it's too kind of self-aware of the fact that it's a film about making sound in film? I think it might come across that way sometimes. You know, I think they might have done with a few less of the sort of cutaways of, you know, mm-hmm. all of the cogs of the yeah the sound, you know, all the oscillators and stuff. Like, after a while, I was kind of like, all right, I get the point. Yeah, or the um, close-ups of, like, the blocked sound. Yeah, well, I, I kind of like that. <laughs> I kind of like that because it's sort of, it, it, it tells you the narrative in yeah. a way, and you really sort of imagine the story, you know, yeah. that, and obviously through the cues that they give That's before true. they record mm-hmm. the, the actual voiceovers. Um, you know, the, the red-hot poker, which is yeah. kind of like, you <laughs> yeah. know... Um, which he freaked out, you know, Gilderoy mm-hmm. freaks out because he has to, he has to sort of just drop butter into a, into a frying pan or mm-hmm. something like that. And obviously, you know, with these cues, he, he's sort of imagining this himself and he just can't bring himself to squirt yeah. butter into a pan, which yeah. is... Which is supposed to be like the sizzling is supposed to yeah. be the woman getting penetrated by a yeah. demon or so, or no I guess yeah an instrument yeah it's pretty horrific it is yeah and I think again I suppose the narrative of that film is definitely horror and the sound mm-hmm. that goes with that film it's almost like the sound makes the other film a horror film but yeah. the actual film we're watching kind of mm-hmm. you're not sure about it um but yeah I guess I guess some of the sort of um yeah those techniques of you know showing us all the tapes and stuff they yeah. probably could have trimmed that down a little bit although the film was only an hour and a half to be honest it's quite mm-hmm. a short film yeah. so um if they cut because it felt almost like at least half of the film was just sort of b-roll footage you yeah know, that they just you know sent people into a studio without the director there mm-hmm. just to film close-ups of these things yeah. you know so all in all probably the actual narrative was probably maybe just about 45 minutes yeah, or something like that definitely there's not a lot of dialogue as well um, yeah. besides kind of what people are supposed to say that's scripted and of course there's also a barrier between languages since he's english and he's trying to speak to these italians so yeah they and, find it a lot. and mm-hmm. i find it interesting as well because half the actors are not italian themselves mm-hmm. i think the mm-hmm. the lady who plays i think her name is sylvia the one that storms off i think she's greek Oh, okay. um, another one is Bulgarian. Oh, mm-hmm. um, what about the almost love interest one? Is that the one you think is Bulgarian? I think she is, yeah. Yeah, because I do remember they say, like, next time get an Italian or something. Yeah, and I think that, uh, um, I mean, I was watching an interview with Peter Strickland and he was talking about how he almost did that and he made it quite apparent that these people in the film were foreigners, not yeah. Italian, because he was... He was quite worried about the film coming across as sort of like, well, this is how we British view mm-hmm. the Italians, as because they, right. they, they are yeah. very, very stereotypical yeah. kind of like, 
lecherous, uh, like yeah, sort of pompous um, playboys almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he was worried about you know coming across negatively towards mm-hmm. an Italian audience. Um, but he doesn't really do anything to make them likable. So yeah, the Italians that he does have, they are it. terrible characters, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. There's there's a there's a real humor to the film as well. I really like this kind of black humor yeah. um, that they bring, especially the Santini, the director. You know, when mm-hmm. he's there's this point when he's like, "How can I make you trust me or something like that?" Yeah. He, he sort of <laughs> feeds him a grape. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. So and weird. there's all the hugging as well. You know, yeah. and I think it also um, kind of. He, he shows quite well the differences between cultures, you know, like mm-hmm. um, Toby Jones' character is very withdrawn and, you know, yeah. he's, he, he, he wants to sort of shake hands and yeah. that's it. And these Italians are just all over him. They're like, you know, let's hug, let's yeah. embrace each other. Yeah. Like, this is the first time I'm meeting you, but I'm going to hug you and give you a kiss on the cheek yeah, kind and of thing. And, <laughs> yeah, and not pay you. <laughs> yeah, there's that same, like the same group eating scene where then he feeds him the grape. Toby Gilderoy is about to spit out the seeds. And he's like, in my culture, we swallow the seeds. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely weird. Almost um, almost reminded me of like a more tame kind of Hanukkah with with testing the limits between kind yeah. of relationships. Yeah, I guess and, so. Um, and kind of hospitality and codes of conduct. Mm. And when, when do you cross the line? Um but not not obviously in the same kind of grim and really depressing way, in a more humorous way. Yeah. For sure. So, um, any other points that you'd like to add before we... Mm, I wanted to talk about the letters mm-hmm. from his mom, actually. Yes, I found yeah. that quite interesting. The sort of him pining for home. Yeah. And, you know, these typical mom kind of letters, mm-hmm. you know, like just pretty much about nothing, I yeah. guess. Um, but the first letter that I read... Um, it, it kind of scrolls down. So you see this letter and you read it with the camera. And I said, oh, that must be the woman he loves back home. And it is, but it's his mom. Yeah. It's not, it, makes, it makes it more of a sad character. Yeah. And it's really weird as well when the, the lady who's, who's cast in, in the role mm-hmm. um, at the end, kind of, she's like, oh, can I practice my lines? Mm-hmm. And then she sort of dictates this... Yeah. letter back to him as as the you know as the script which is well in italian yeah because at that point they're all speaking italian mm-hmm. um which i think is kind of again it's sort of this tribute to the sort of films that they're mm-hmm. they're talking about here because i know these uh, giallo films were very much you know dubbed that that's like mm-hmm. a huge feature of them um but yeah these letters i mean because essentially they're just about these birds yeah and then you know this is his sort of hope you know he's mm-hmm. kind of like i'm gonna go home i'm gonna i'm gonna see this nest the birds are probably yeah. gonna have left by that point but um, the ability to nourish as well yeah too, from being paid from and then suddenly all of these baby birds these chicklets have just been murdered yeah. by magpies yeah and his mom's distraught mm-hmm. um and i i think i quite like that because it kind of works as a metaphor for him you know he's sort of susceptible to predators i guess mm-hmm. you know he's very vulnerable and um yeah as i say it's kind of like the only way to to beat them is to join them i guess yeah yeah peter bradshaw in his review talks about how effective um 
Toby Jones is is playing Gilderoy because he has that cherubic face. Yeah. Which, yeah, I just think he's always so strange to watch play <laughs> different different kind of characters. He's an interesting actor, yeah. Yeah. Because it's, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of not the sort of films that he's usually cast in. Yeah. I mean, maybe that kind of character, mm-hmm. but definitely... I haven't seen too many films with him, yeah. but he always seems to be this kind of like polite, quirky English gentleman yeah. sort of character. But I've seen him play roles where he's kind of more aggressive really? and assertive. Yeah, okay. and Peter Bradshaw said that this film was his best role mm. ever, and he's he's quite established at this time. Yeah. Um, but I he doesn't really do much either. He hardly speaks. You just see him looking really, really sad. <laughs> so. Yeah. Interesting statement. I love the point where he he kind of, you know, mans up and he's like, I'm going to go and demand my money. And he's just, you know, he does such a good job at like this sort of guy who doesn't know how to be angry. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see him like trembling. You can hear his voice. uh, Yeah, I think he's great at that that point, definitely. Yeah. And, um, And his nostalgia that we see in the letters is also kind of represented through the that idyllic countryside that we get a clip of which again must have been part of his his um kind of work that he'd done before and it's that idea of of him it's it what results in his kind of uh psychotic break because he's used to these really ideal kind of protective states and it's like he just can't deal with leaving leaving that environment yeah and again i like that point where where you say that it really is him deciding to adopt the environment because then it maybe is also him deciding that Italy is his home. He never got a plane here. He's always been there. Yeah. I think, was that was that the point where he, like, after when he got stabbed, was that the sort of the point where he started to, you know, continuously speak in Italian? It was right before he started to speak in um. Italian. Yeah, he, he calls the guy, who we never see, but um, the receptionist says ask him and then he finally gets in contact with this guy over the phone oh, who's yeah, supposed yeah. to deal with the finances and then says there was no record of your plane ever coming mm. from British Airways so we can't pay you back because it never existed <laughs> it's like I'll search the airline myself <laughs> but uh, yeah in terms of other films that I would kind of recommend with Berberian Sound Studio any any Fulci 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 however you say it I have no idea how to uh, yeah <laughs> we'll see some yeah an Italian last name which is really interesting but also is concerned with the production of film too yeah. in a lot of in a lot of his yeah and I guess also like if you've seen um, Fellini's Eight and a Half as well mm-hmm. it's, a, it's another film that's very much about making film right and yeah. I think maybe that's where some of the distinction between you know the sort of high art and low art yeah. is that a lot of art films tend to be quite Mm self-aware of the sort of process of the creation of art Mm -hmm. um and i think that kind of pushes this film into into that sort of area of of art film i Mm -hmm. guess um yeah i again you know obviously there's there's a lot of david lynch there yeah (laughs) um it feels almost quite like a Kafka, if you've mm-hmm. ever read Kafka, mm-hmm. yeah, this sort of uh, just weirdly nightmarishly surreal yeah. almost. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so good good list of films to watch in companion to Barbarian Sound Studio. Thank you for bringing this film to my attention. I would never have watched it. No worries. Have, you, have you seen any other, uh, any other Peter Strickland films? No, I want to see Cattle and Varga. Yeah, me too. I, I haven't actually next. watched that. I mean, because yeah. I think he's only made three features. He's working on another one. one actually called In Fabric, which yeah, I was it's reading a, it's about. Yeah, it's a horror film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a horror film about someone who works in a department store who realizes that this dress is like possessed and whoever buys it um gets a curse on them so that was kind of an interesting like wow. companion to phantom thread or something yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah so that's that's one that will come out this year so yeah. hopefully it'll play here then i'm sure yeah. it will mm-hmm. i i saw um the duke of burgundy which i'd recommend as well yeah. it's quite an interesting one okay very Good different um to, to Barbarian Sound Studio and from what I hear mm-hmm. um, so is Kathleen Varga as well yeah um, yeah but yeah that's definitely another one to watch uh, he's quite an interesting director and I think you know sort of among a lot of contemporary British mm-hmm. filmmakers that are making these sort of really out there kind of mm-hmm. experimental you know like I, I watched um, the latest Lynn Ramsey film the other day you yeah. were never really here and so I, good. Was, I was blown mm-hmm. away it was just you know and I think yeah some of my favourite films of the last 10 years are definitely coming out of the UK yeah there's um, some great directors yeah. coming out that's for sure well thank you so much for joining me today I really I and I appreciate you sticking with all these weird sound interruptions <laughs> as well which are just too fitting for our topic yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, hopefully we have you on again. And um, thank you yeah, for no talking to me about Burry and Sound Studio. Cool, it was fun. Yeah, great. Well, see you next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs>